Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. You loved that record back in January, but are you still listening to it in June? I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis of WBEZ and Columbia College. We submit our favorite records to their toughest test yet, months of repeated listening. It's the best albums of the year so far. Plus a possible new contender. We'll review the latest from Queens of the Stone Age. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. Greg, that's New Jersey cult heroes, the Feelies, playing live on Sound Opinions in July 2008 at Maxwell's, the rock club in Hoboken, New Jersey. The club is closing after 35 years as one of the most important underground music venues in the United States of America. No exaggeration there. We went there to tape the Feelies and do an event for WFUV back in 2008. I grew up at Maxwell's, though. I I learned to be a music fan. It was an incredible venue, despite the fact that it only held 200 people. For people in New York City, the loss of this club at the end of July is as monumental as the loss of CBGB when it closed in 2006. But the fact is that CBGB really wasn't CBGB for the last 20 years of its existence. It had become like a tourist trap. That never happened to Maxwell's. From the moment it opened in 1978 to the moment it will close at the end of July this year, it has been a place where any underground band from anywhere in the world who is anybody comes to play. It was incredibly well-booked throughout its history. Steve Fallon opened the club and ran it for the first part, Todd Abramson for the second. At various points, people like Peter Buck, Bob Mould, and Steve Shelley of Sonic Youth invested in the club. It was a musician's kind of club, and it treated both the patrons and the musicians well. It's going to leave a hole in the New York area and really for touring bands from anywhere in the world. Yes, another major loss in the music world, Jim, the death of Marvin Jr., the lead vocalist in the great Chicago vocal group, The Dells, died at the age of 77 a few days ago. He was one of the original five members of the group, got together in the early 50s, all went to Thornton Township High School, the South Side, and uh, performed together ever since, six decades together as a vocal group in which they scored a number of top ten hits, got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004, and were the inspiration for that uh, Robert Townsend movie in 1991, The Five Heartbeats. But four of the five original members performing together through those six decades. You think about vocal groups like the Flamingos and the Platters from that era who performed in various incarnations, no original members going out and using the name. The Dells 
never did that, and they were consistently good in live performance throughout those years. Here's Stay In My Corner from 1965 with the great Marvin Jr. on lead vocals with the Dells on Sound Opinions. If you stay, stay darling You make me oh so proud Stay darling, please stay the world I'd cry out loud how I love you honey I love you I really love you stay please 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 stay darling stay in my corner and I will never never let you Just say you stay Stay in my corner Cause I'll need you Always around To tell me you love me Honey, you love me So darling, stay Stay, stay, stay There'll be time When I may fail I'll need your love To comfort me Stay in My Corner by the Dells from 1965 in tribute to Marvin Jr., dead at the age of 77. It's that time of year again, Jim, the middle of the year, 2013. We want to look back at the first half of this year and say, do we really love those records as much as we say we did when we originally reviewed them? It's the best of the year so far. Well, rock critics have to make the list every year, best albums of the year, and the only way you can do that is to really keep a running tally, and it's good to check in from time to time to see if you're still loving that album that you said you loved so much in early January. Uh, Yes, I am. I'm still loving everything I'm going to talk about today. In reverse order, starting with my fourth favorite album of the year so far, I'm going to dig up a record we talked about in February. We are the 21st century ambassadors of peace and magic by Foxygen. Greg, we were both very fond of this psychedelic pop band from out on the West Coast. Young guys, 22 years old, two of them leading the group, Sam France and John Rado. And then we saw them at South by Southwest, and they kind of had a very tough time at the big festival. They kind of fell apart. They even went home early. But you know what? That only made me love the album more because all of these bands that are worshipped today, the Elephant Six groups from the 90s, you know, Apples and Stereo 
Ontario and Olivia Tremor Control and Nutra Milk Hotel. Guess what, kids? They were pretty awful on stage for the first year or two <laughs> as well. In any event, this is the best albums of the year, and I say We Are the 21st Century Ambassadors holds up. It is a wonderful survey of everything that was great about 60s psychedelic pop from all sorts of different approaches. There's a little Love and Spoonful. There's Pink Floyd, of course. It's all put together in this modern Cuisinart with a healthy dose of satire and skepticism. These guys are making fun of this music because they know it's a little silly at the same time that they're loving it and giving us beautiful psychedelic pop song gems. This is In the Darkness by Foxygen on Sound Opinions. In the Darkness by Foxygen from their second proper album on Sound Opinions. Greg, what are you starting with? Jim, I'm going to start off with your favorite artist, and I say that very sarcastically, but I think David Bowie <laughs> has made a tremendous record the next day. I said that when the record came out a few months ago, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I've been listening to this record regularly since then, and it has not let me down. I'm more convinced than ever it's his best work since 1980 or so, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Well, you know, is he sending you a Christmas card or something? What's going on? There's I no wish he way. would. I'd love to hear from David Bowie. You know, all due respect to Bowie, there's no way you're going to say that this is one of the best albums of the year and that this is his best since 19... Well, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, about? no, it's absolutely a terrific record. And uh, I think part of the reason was a lot of people had written him off. He had a heart attack about a decade ago, hadn't been heard from since. A lot of people said, well, it's probably over. He's not going to make any more music. Instead, he he would shed it uh, in secrecy for the most part for the last few years with a number of close collaborators, uh, guitarist Earl Slick, David Torn, bassist Gail Ann Dorsey, uh, drummer Sterling Campbell, people he was familiar with who, whose style he liked, but most importantly, producer Tony Visconti, the guy who helped him uh, craft a number of those classic albums in the 70s. And it's Bowie looking back and, and sort of bringing together a lot of the key threads in his music. At this point, you'd expect him to be making one of those, you know, the dying of the light kind of albums, an album looking at mortality. And, and that would be the cliche move. Bowie doesn't do that. In fact, what he's doing 
again, is making a very unstable kind of record. Again, sort of that mix of songcraft and strangeness, you know, the melody and the mayhem. And a lot of the characters in these songs are in turmoil. I think what he's basically saying, you know, these characters, their lives are still unsettled, and so is mine. Don't write me off yet. I've still got more work to do. And I think, as I said, one of his best records in, in decades. It's The Next Day from David Bowie, and here's the title song on Sound Opinions. Day, the title song from David Bowie's new album, one of my favorites of the year so far on Sound Opinions. Jim, what do you got next? I got a good record, Greg. I got one we haven't talked about on the show and one that I bet you haven't heard. Carl Bartos, off the record. He is a 60-year-old German musician who is probably best known for being the electronic percussionist in Kraftwerk through its best period. He came on board to tour with the band in the U.S. behind its surprise hit Autobahn, and he stayed all the way until 1990. That means he played on some of their best albums, Trans-Europe Express, The Man Machine, and saying that you played on those Kraftwerk albums is like saying you were a member of not only the Beatles, but the Rolling Stones as well. <laughs> Ralph Hooter, the only original member of Kraftwerk still in Kraftwerk these days, has not really given us new music in forever. Bartos did something different. He's always been really interesting in his post-Kraftwerk solo career. I don't know if you remember this, but he collaborated quite a bit with Bernard Sumner and Johnny Marr in Electronic mm-hmm. in that band, right? He's always stayed current. Here, he's looking at his history, but from 
the present perspective. This album, Off the Record, is based on what he calls an audio journal. Throughout his time in Kraftwerk, he was writing riffs and segments of songs that were his perspective on everything that the band was doing and seeing. He went back to this diary and built new songs off of these very old ideas. So it's it sounds like classic Kraftwerk in spots, but it sounds absolutely courant in others. And of course, there are Kraftwerkian themes throughout the record. What am I talking about? I'm going to play a song called Musica Ex Machina, which is very much the man-machine idea of Kraftwerk. I love this record. Everybody's so excited about the new Daft Punk record and talking about the history of electronic music the way it does. I think that Carl Bartos is doing very much the same thing, and I like it better on Off the Record. Here's Music Ex Machina by Bartos on Sound Opinions. Initially, every sound was linked to the object casting it like a tree. Always cast its shadow on the ground. Carl Bartos, formerly of Kraftwerk, with a solo track, Musica Ex Machina, on Sound Opinions. Jim and I also want to hear what's topping your list at this midway point. Share your favorite record at 888-859-1800. We're going to continue our countdown after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later, Queens of the Stone Age is like clockwork.
Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, the brewers of Next Coast IPA, 312 Urban Wheat Ale, and Bourbon County Stout. Pairing beer and music since 1988, they believe it's always best to listen critically and enjoy responsibly. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. I'm a fool for that shake in your thumbs. I'm a fool for that sound in your songs. I'm a fool for your belly. I'm a fool for your Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim Dirigatis, and that's a little bit of Rye from the next album on my list of best albums of the year so far in 2013, Rye, with a song called Open. A transcontinental duo, vocalist Michael Milosh and Robin Hannibal, the producer, collaborating on this record. We raved about it uh, a few months ago, Jim. You and I both love this record. I think one of the advantages we now have is that we've been able to see some of these groups play these records in concert. And uh, Rye completely won me over again, seeing them perform these songs live. I think this is a beautifully sequenced record. From beginning to end, you feel like you're being led on this little journey. Soul music, but the flames turn down kind of low. It's sexy, but it's not overheated. You know, we can talk about sensuality and sex without being overly explicit and being more sexy as a result, I think. The sensuality is there because it's not all laid out in front of you. Part of it is these vocals by Milosh are so beautiful. Originally, people thought he was a woman when they heard the tracks without any kind of information about who was singing. But that sort of falsetto quality, that soft fragility that he has on the tracks perfectly dovetails with the production on this record. You know, people might call it Quiet Storm, hearkening back to the 80s, you know, with records like Chardet and stuff. But I think they've taken all the cliches from that music. You know, you'd have these really bad saxophone solos in the, in the middle of those <laughs> records that would ruin everything. And there's the, no bad sax on this record. There's no bad sax, and the gooey keyboards piled on top of each other. There's a lot of restraint and subtlety and nuance in this music, and every time you listen to the record, it just pulls you in and doesn't let you out until you come out the other side. It's Rye with the album called Woman, and here's a track from it, Verse, on Sound Opinions. Says it all 
Verse by Rye on Sound Opinions, uh, one of Greg's favorite albums of the year. May I just interject that whenever you get all, you know, gaga about the slow jam, <laughs> sensual R&B, I always picture you like sitting on the bearskin rug in front of the lava lamp in a dim room with a hookah. It's just wonderful. I'm I doing love, that right now. I love that image. Okay, now look. On the Jim Deerogatis pantheon of all-time heroes, which may have become cliches on Sound Opinions, there is, of course, Brian Eno at number one. But I would say at number two, edging out even the Velvet Underground, is the British art punk band Wire. They are universally revered by music fans with taste, for the first three albums that they created between 77 and 80. At that point, they broke up and went away for a while. There have now been four incarnations of Wire. There was an 80s incarnation, there was a 90s incarnation, and there's a new millennial incarnation, which has been going very strong. They're one of the key acts at the Pitchfork Music Festival this summer, and they're playing a lot of other cool venues, the Detroit Museum of Art, uh, on this American tour. That having been said, I've been harshly critical of some of these phases of Wire. You can write off everything they did in the 90s. Bad Mm. stuff. But Wire always has been fearless in embracing very difficult concepts about the very way rock and roll is constructed and what it means. What am I talking about? They have always been adamantly anti-nostalgia. They hate the idea of a band becoming a human jukebox and going on stage and playing its old material. They have tried instead to move forward into new directions musically to challenge their listeners. In recent years, they've begun playing some of the old stuff again, but only in a way that is new and vital to them now. On this new album, Change Becomes Us. They did something fascinating. When they broke up in 1980 and went on their first six or seven year hiatus, their break, right before that period, they had a set of new material that was captured on a live album called Document and Eyewitness. It's a lousy live album, really bad, Mm -hmm. uh, because the ideas hadn't come to fruition yet. What they did on this album is go back to those tracks and try to rewrite the songs that they started a million years ago in a very current fashion. The end result is that even for a Wire super fan like me, most of these songs are completely unrecognizable from what they had been in 1980. They're completely new. Wire is still coming up with new sounds, and they have new and wonderful things to say, like this track, Doubles and Trebles by Wire on Sound Opinions. Alpha 
That is Wire with the track Doubles and Troubles on Sound Opinions from the album Change Becomes Us. What a shock. Jim DeRogatis loves a Wire album. I it's kind of like this, some. This show is kind of your life, isn't it? Between Kraftwerk and Wire. I mean, it's like and Jim DeRogatis' This Is Your Life. Yeah, well, yeah, the feelings as well. Is, this is the best of the year so far. <laughs> Would you like me to come on and play bad music like you did with Bowie? <laughs> I'm going to play some great music for you. I'm going to show you what I've got. One of my favorite albums this year, Jim, is by Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper, a uh, fellow by the name of Chancellor Bennett from the south side of Chicago, came out with a mixtape last year called Ten Day, which showed him as a very precocious, humorous rapper, a lot of potential, a lot of promise. In a year, he's gone from a lot of promise and potential and a sense of humor and the guy next door kind of persona into a serious major hip-hop MC. This is one of the best rap records of the last couple of years, as far as I'm concerned. It's called Acid Rap. And not only do we get that kid-next-door regular guy humor, that wordplay, that sense of fun, but there's a whole new level of maturity on this album, uh, much deeper themes, touching on a lot of issues that are affecting uh, not only the youth in the streets of Chicago, but around the world, really, and speaking to these issues in a way that's very personal and very specific. When he says a line like, it just got warm out, everybody dies in the summer, everybody in Chicago knows what he's talking about, the murder rate on the South Side. It's just absolutely chilling. And at the same time, the kid that can talk about the gunplay and the gangbangers in his hood can also bring out the vulnerability in a track like Lost, where you're seeing this guy basically pouring out his heart to this woman he loves. It's beautiful, chilling, vulnerable, tender stuff, rare for any artist, especially at this age, to be making a record this mature. I'm going to be playing a bit of a multi-part song called Push a Man. This is the middle part of the song, where he's getting inside the head of a drug dealer, a two-bit drug dealer, turning that into a deeper commentary about what's going on in his world. It's Push a Man from the Acid Rap mixtape, a free mixtape, by the way, from Chance the Rapper on Sound Opinions. Got my mind on the fritz 
But a lot of looking is dying, so my nine with this stitch. I've been riding around with my blunt on my lips. With the sun in my eyes and my gun on my hip. Paranoia on my mind, got my mind on the fridge. But a lot of niggas looking dying, so my nine with this stitch. Push a man by chance the rapper. Greg, I should remind listeners, we never compare notes before we tape the show, except for these best-of lists, because we have to figure out if there's any overlap. And for the last three albums we're talking about here, starting with Chance the Rapper, both you and I have them on our list, but we're sharing the wealth. My album of the year so far is by Savages. I have talked about Savages several times on the show so far this year after South by Southwest and when we reviewed this album, Silence Yourself, a few weeks ago. What else do I have to say about Savages? These four young women from the UK, Jenny, Beth, Camille, Bertome, the lead singer originally from Paris, are expressing anger, disgust, and contempt for the modern condition and the alienation we are experiencing from one another thanks to the deluge of digital communications. But there is optimism as well. They believe that if only we talk to each other and we, in their words, shut up and listen to each other, we will find the joy of life again. To me, as angry as this music gets, as depressing and heavy as it is at times, it's ultimately about joy because those rhythms erupt and that guitar of Gemma Thompson is ferocious and Jenny Beth on vocals. Man, I just can't get enough of this album. You know that it's an album of the year when I was going over which track to play and I was it was like a half hour ordeal because I wanted to play every one. So what did I decide to play? Hit Me by Savages on Sound Opinions. Me by Savages, Silence Yourself, my album of the year. So far, Greg, if we get six more albums this good the rest of the year, I'm going to be a happy camper. What do you got? I agree with you, Jim. It's been a great year so far. That Savages really record, has. I mean, uh, hard to pick a bad track on that record. There's, they're all good. And I, I feel the same way about this next record that I'm going to play. I know you share mm-hmm. the enthusiasm that I have for it. Parquet Courts, Light Up Gold. I, I have to say, my opinion has changed a bit about what I thought really worked about this record. I think when I first heard it, 
I was talking about how they had sort of a ramshackle, casual vibe about it. And they managed to pull these great songs out of this roughed-up kind of casual surface that they were creating. But now that I've listened to them more closely and I've got to see them live a few times, I realize the craftsmanship that's behind these songs. It's a lot tighter, a lot more propulsive, a lot more put together than I first realized. Now to the point where I realize these songs are so well-crafted. This is a a supremely well-done record. They knew exactly what they are doing with every note. The vocals have this tossed-off quality, but every word seems to count. Every guitar riff seems to count. They're talking about that dead zone between adolescence and adulthood. You know, where's my life going to go from here? And you're not really sure because we're talking about a world that's bereft of jobs, bereft of opportunity for young people in many ways. Where are the next opportunities going to come from in an economy that's failing? That's what they're feeling in this record. That's what they're communicating, and they're doing it supremely well with great melodic songs. It's Parquet Quartz with a track called Borrowed Time from Light Up Gold on Sound Opinions. Courts with Borrowed Time from Light Up Gold, my favorite album of the year so far. To see all of our mid-year picks again, go to soundopinions.org. You can also listen to archive shows and see what topped our lists in years past. Up next, Greg and I review the new album from Queens of the Stone Age, and he adds a song to the Desert Island Jukebox.
take me home Cause I'm all alone In this crowd Who are you to me? Who am I supposed to be? Not exactly sure Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And that is a little bit of the track The Vampire of Time and Memory by Queens of the Stone Age from their new album. Like clockwork, the ellipses, like clockwork, the vampire in the gothic spelling. These boys always love to throw us a curveball, Greg. Queens of the Stone Age go back to Palm Desert, California in 1996 when Josh Homey formed the band as the follow-up to his hugely influential stoner rock band, Caius. In that band, Caius, during its waning days as it was making one of its final albums, the producer Chris Goss was listening to the music Homie was making, and he said, you know, you guys are like the queens of the Stone Age. (laughs) Debuted in 1998 with a self-titled record. At that point, an old friend of Homie from Caius came on board, Nick Oliveri, and he was around for the next two albums, Rated R and Songs of the Deaf. Then he was fired. (laughs) He appears on this new album again, singing some backing vocals, along with another familiar name from the past. Songs of the Deaf, the drummer was Dave Grohl of Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Uh, he's back behind the drum throne on this record, too. It's been six years since the last Queens of the Stone Age record, and Josh Homey had a really hard time for a few years there. He had knee surgery that really knocked him out of commission for some time, and that was followed by uh, some serious depression as he was recuperating. Finally, the other members of the band convinced him that making another Queen's record would be the best kind of therapy. Now we have it. Ellipses, like clockwork, Queens of the Stone Age. Let's play a song and we'll come back and we'll give our opinions. This is My God is the Sun on Sound Opinions. That is My God is the Sun from Queens of the Stone Age, the new album Like Clockwork. As Jim mentioned, uh, first in six years. That album, Era Vulgaris in 2007. 
You know, you started to see queens spinning off into the weirdness, making them somewhat off-putting to, I think, fans who, you know, were on board with the group early on, and, and they just hit you over the head with that sound. You know, you, you call it stoner rock, and I don't think it's far off because their ability to combine that metal riffing with this sort of psychedelic, hazy feel, you know, you just felt like you were out there baking in the desert. And I think they're bringing some of that back in this record. The melodies are back. The songs are back in this record in a big way, in a way that I haven't heard for nearly a decade. I think it's their strongest work in quite some time. Homie's had a, had a time, as you said, to think about a lot of things. Uh, you know, apparently he nearly died a few years ago after he had that surgery on his knee. Something went wrong on the operating table. And I think it's a subtext for a number of these songs. You know, I always thought there was a little bit of a sneer and a little bit of a sarcasm in some of their lyrics. Here, I'm hearing a more vulnerable homie. And it's brought out the qualities in his voice that maybe people didn't appreciate so much in the past. He's a great singer. The combination of the better melodies, the stronger songwriting, and the more vulnerable vocals make this a really strong Queens of the Stone Age album for me. It's a buy it, as far as I'm concerned. Well, Greg, you know, you're talking about people didn't realize that Homie was uh, allegedly a great singer. I'm one of those people. I have a problem with this record. There are fully five songs which I think are completely dreadful. These are the slower songs, the more bombastic songs, and the songs where Homie has suddenly decided he is a Morrissey-like singer or somebody (laughs) else who's a crooner. The other five songs, I would agree, are much better than anything on the last two albums, Era Vulgaris in 07 and Lullabies to Paralyze in 05. I was really disappointed with both of those records after absolutely loving the first three Queens records. If I was in a very bad mood today, I would say this is a trash it record. Instead, I will say it is a burn it, which is why we invented burn it. Download the five songs and then you'll have a really good EP here. So burn it from me, buy it from you. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, one of us takes a trip to the desert island and plays you a track that we can't live without. Greg, you are hopping into the hot air balloon to get out there and visit the desert island jukebox. What do you got? Thank you, Jim. I want to talk a little bit about Procol Harem, a great... We've been on this uh, progressive rock theme, it seems, lately with the DIJs, and I want to continue it just for one more week. Maybe Uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, why not? Late 60s, progressive era beginning in in England. Procol Harem, one of the great pioneers of that sound. A lot of rumors and lies and stories about how this band got its name. The most credible one appears to be that their manager named it after a friend's Burmese cat. But if anybody remembers this group, it's probably because of the song Whiter Shade of Pale or possibly Conquistador, both of which were hits in the U.S. But the song I want to play, I think, is in many ways their equal, if not the best thing that Procol Harum ever did. A band with some serious musicians, the piano-organ combination coming straight out of gospel music. You had Matthew Fisher on organ, Gary Brooker on piano, one Robin Trower on guitar for the first five albums in this band's career, later went on to a solo career, and a lot of classical influences in the playing. Uh, Matthew Fisher was quoting Bach on Whiter Shade of Pale, and, and Brooker had sort of that soul quality in his vocals that evoked ancient choirs in some instances. In this song especially, 
you're hearing those classical influences with a with a string orchestra joining the band. And the other element here is the lyricist in the group, Keith Reed. He was a poet. And this song all began in a bathroom in Cleveland, he said. You know, he saw some graffiti <laughs> on this dressing room wall, and it said, Great God, Skipper, we've run aground. And that started the story forming in his head about this sailing ship in ancient times, you know, uh, being lost at sea for, for months at a time, the desperation in the men's minds and eyes as they were feeling like they were being led to their death. And finally, you know, the sight of land in the final lines of the song, you know, this glorious moment when, when the, you know, the redemption is finally at hand. It really a dramatic song. The strings sort of bring it out. Brooker's vocals bring out the fear in the men's uh, hearts as well as their triumph at the end. It's a beautifully done melody. Procol Harum with A Salty Dog from 1969 on Sound Opinions. All hands on deck We've run afloat I heard the captain cry Explore the ship Replace the coat Let no one leave alive Across the straits Around the horn How far can sailors Ships come home to die No lofty peak No fortress bold Could match our captain's eye
Dog by Procol Harum, Greg's pick for the Desert Island Jukebox. GK, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we're going to celebrate Father's Day by picking out some of the great family bands of all time. As always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, and Annie Minoff. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, is Tori Southside Malatia, about whom once a week we say, Great God, Skipper, we've run aground! Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Tim and Greg, this is Rena Silver from Chicago. I'm a longtime Johnny Cash fan. Thank you for your loving and thorough review of Johnny Cash's history, the recordings of the Folsom Prison Blues piece. I was moved to tears by the piece, and I was unaware that the band performed a song written by a prisoner. Keep up the good work. We love you guys. Inside the walls of prison, my body may be, but my Lord has set my soul free. There's a gray stone chapel here at Folsom, a house of worship in this den of sin. Wouldn't think that God had a place here at Folsom But he saved the soul of many lost men Yeah, this is Kip Howard here in Tampa, Florida And I was just calling to thank you for airing that on Johnny Cash That album and in fact Cash's career has been an inspiration for a whole lot of us out here who are musicians And I can tell you that his stance toward prisoners' rights or Native American rights against war was something that was really welcome coming from a country, quote-unquote, country artist. As you know, you know, a lot of the country music is not about that at all. So people like us out here, we were always going to have a place in our heart for Johnny Cash, and I just wanted to thank you for putting that on here. Hey, my name's Max. I'm from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. I used to work as a contract security guard, and I'll tell you what, the biggest problem we had is this idea that security guards are just there to be a nuisance. And it's really aggravating, especially when people get hurt because they're not listening to us. I definitely would put that up at the top of the list for concert etiquette, along with the other recommendations you had about, you know, sitting down, not being a, not being a jerk. Generally speaking, not being a jerk is a good way to do it. That's my opinion. Uh, hey, guys. I was just calling in to let you know what I thought about show etiquette. I think it really sucks when people think it's okay to have their personal conversations in the middle of somebody's set. Really loud conversations because, obviously, the music at the show is going to be loud. I don't care what's going on with your girlfriend or boyfriend. I don't want to know about the bartender. I don't want to know your personal opinions about the show. I just want to watch the show. So, yeah. Everybody should stop talking at the show. Have a conversation at the bar. Anyways, this is Jane from Chicago. Bless.
my name is Gail Gand for Rock and Roll Concert Etiquette Playbook. One of the things I would like is don't smoke pot in the same row when it's a little kid. Because I like to take my kid to concerts and they get exposed to pot at these concerts, even though you're not supposed to bring it in. And I just wish there was a way to stop that. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Hey, Jim, Greg, Dad from Sioux City, Iowa, calling on annoying uh, concert behaviors. I saw Devo 2010. It was the last big concert I went to. And the first person I ran into had way too much to drink and said to me that he loved Devo and he would fight me. So I moved to the other side of the stage where a guy on his cell phone had got onto a website that had set lists and 10 seconds before Devo would play the next song. He'd go, Angloid. It's a steal, and just kind of ruined the whole concert for me. Part of the fun of being at a concert is uh, anticipating the next song, hearing the first few notes, and uh, and recognizing that song. So, love the show every week. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.